Savini, very good movie. <laughs> Just a little scary helpful. horror movie, 1980. I try. I loved it. I think that the. Uh, was it, um, uh, hold on. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I just really feel like it was... Oh, wait, hold on. Uh, okay, we ready? Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. Hello. Ciao. Hi. By the time this episode is published, we will be less than a week out from the first Speak All Evil Presents film screening on May 12th at Gino's Rock Club in downtown Portland. Free event, 6 p.m. Thursday the 12th. Kevin? Woo. What? It's not Friday the 13th. It's I know. Thursday the 12th, <laughs> as you so helpfully pointed out last week. Uh, but we're going to be screening Friday the 13th. On the Thursday original, the 12th. On Thursday the 12th. That's right. On the big screen, if you haven't been to Gino's Rock Club since their reopening, they have a big movie screen. And we are going to make use of that for a slasher happy hour. Open to all. Save your money for the drinks and enjoy a shared cinematic experience on us. Next week, it's Kevin's House Week. Kevin has chosen two very recent movies to check out. Uh, we're talking about The Night House from last year, directed by David Bruckner, who made The Ritual, which we've talked about, uh, made one of the shorts in VHS, which we just talked about not long ago, um, and is also now in production, supposedly, on the new Hellraiser reboot. Do you know that? Yeah, with the same writers of The Night House. It, yeah, it's a, Hellraiser is supposed to be out this year as a Hulu exclusive um, I haven't seen anything about it in a while. That always makes me nervous. They're keeping it pretty under wraps. If you listen to interviews with Bruckner and stuff out there, he's not allowed to say shit. So it's a feature. It's not a series. A feature. It's a oh, feature, okay. yeah. It's a reboot of the Hellraiser franchise. Which would be like the 12th Hellraiser movie mm -hmm. or something. I lost track a long time ago. Um, that's on HBO right now, The Night House, not uh, Hellraiser. Um, also going to be talking about The Deep House from last year, written and directed by the same pair of French filmmakers who broke out in 2007 with a movie called Inside. We talked about Ooh. Inside on our French horror episode. Uh, they've done a bunch of other stuff, too. I haven't seen The Deep House yet, so I'm really excited about that. That's on Prime or VOD right now this week. Dave's week, finally getting to talk about Tom Savini, the FX master of late 70s and 80s horror, also an actor, also a director in his own right. Um, Savini has been responsible for the makeup and effects of tons of classic horror movies. Not going to name them all right now. We're going to start with a movie from 1981 called The Prowler. So I, I wanted to talk about my experience um, because Tom Savini uh, kind of got me he led me down a path of uh, loving horror movies and, and a certain type of horror movies. This is kind of the golden age, I'd, le I'd at least say for me and Trent. Um, and like sometime around like 1980, I had a Fangoria magazine that I begged my mom to get me. Um, and it had a feature on Tom Savini. And this was before Wikipedia and all that. So there was like a sidebar that had his filmography. So I remember... Um, I watched all of the movies in his filmography at the time, which he went on to do much more than that. Um, but 
it was all like some of my favorites uh, of all time. Um, and uh, 1981's The Prowler, um, directed by Joseph Zito, uh, was one of those movies uh, on that list. Uh, this is also very similar to another movie uh, from uh, that same year called My Bloody Valentine, which has been remade. Um, and uh, it, this terrified me as a kid. Um, one of my favorite toys uh, was a G.I. Joe uh, Snake Eyes action figure. <laughs> Yeah, yes. Who bears a great resemblance to <laughs> yes. both the killer in this film True. and the coal miner from My Bloody Valentine. Yeah. So I used to, uh, you know, make toy sequels, uh, pulling the rubber heads <laughs> off He-Man <laughs> and other characters, and like uh, any any toy so with like cute. removable limbs was my thing. I I wanted to be Tom Savini. Um, I, and, I, and by the way, uh, I would be so down for like a Prowler versus He-Man. Uh, you, if anyone wants to fund that to did, happen, did you ever take apart your GI Joes and mix and match the, oh, yeah. the pieces? Because you could yes. take apart, you could unscrew like the whole torso and the arms and the heads and do all that. Oh yeah, I did. I watched horror <laughs> movies and then just did grotesque things with dolls, um, which is not too different than uh, the next movie we're going to talk. <laughs> this film takes place in a suburb of I couldn't really tell if it was like Ohio or New Jersey. Uh, they they mentioned Cleveland. Uh, but it's on the night of a high school graduation party, uh, their first dance since 1945 because uh, of a murder that happened on the night of the dance. Um, much like the Mutilator, Prom Night, Terror Train, Friday the 13th, uh, like everything. Yeah. Halloween, Time yeah, of yeah. Sundown. <laughs> um, it, it's, uh, the killer is like provoked by the anniversary of a previous traumatic event. Um, and it's like Slashers 101 especially from the early 80s. Um, it's a thing for me that never gets old. I love it. I want more of it. And when you say true to it, I like it even more. It's like the blues of, of horror uh, or of the genre, yeah. and of the subgenres. Um, it all goes down over the course of one nightmarish evening. Uh, and this is Tom Savini during his most prolific era. Uh, and strangely for a slasher, uh, the acting in this was actually very, very good. Uh, I saw the whole Who Done It from a mile away, but I love the Prowler oh, for its. I don't know. Really? No, I had no clue until the end. And I was like, oh, what? Well, <laughs> this one I had seen it a few times too, but uh, this is just like I, I appreciate this for the straight-up meat and potatoes approach to the slasher uh, genre. I had never seen the Prowler. This is the first time watching the Prowler. Nice. So. Yeah, everything that Dave said, definitely in a very paint-by-numbers approach, probably what sets it apart from other 80s slashers that, that we'll watch and we've talked about is the kills. You know, Tom Savini is quoted as saying he thinks this is his best work, which is something, that is something for Tom Savini to say, like, this is, I don't know you if know. I would agree with that, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I think what he's getting at is this is 1981. So some of the yeah. stuff he pulled off, you know, obviously, as his career went on, we had better technology, better access to things for practical effects. We could enhance things with CGI, which obviously happens a lot these days. But Savini pulls off like some of the best kills in this movie. And Justin Long is in this movie. Which I, 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 forgot. I thought the same uh, thing. <laughs> it's wild. Just um, like I, I liked this one. Um, Dave, Dave covered a lot of, you know, probably my my early thoughts on like an initial take where you've got pretty good acting for a slasher. I love Pam. 
Um, I don't have the actress's name down, so hopefully someone else has that. Uh, she's Who cares? A, she's a great <laughs> no, but she's a great final girl and and very true to slasher form. A little bit more like badass, um, but also pulls off like some of the vulnerability that you want in a final girl for like your '80s slasher fair. Uh, I thought this movie dragged a lot in parts. I think it it took a little bit to get it to like a ninety minute like feature film length. Like there were started off with some great kills, and then there's a twenty minute lull. Like while they're somehow exploring a mansion, and then you get some more good kills, and then there's some more lull. Um, but it eventually uh, does pay off with a great exploding head and some Savini work. Uh, I think my favorite part about this was the writers were Neil Barbera and Glenn Leopold. Neil Barbera being the son of Joseph Barbera of Hanna-Barbera fame and Leopold also working on like Scooby-Doo and cartoons. All of and his then, credits are, they're all cartoons. They're all cartoons except, except for, for the, the Prowl. <laughs> and this is, when you think about it, it's a fucking Scooby-Doo movie right up to the point where at the end the guy rips his mask <laughs> off is, and I was waiting is. for him to say, you damn kids. <laughs> like this would have been the perfect night if not for you damn kids. Yeah, he didn't have time because yeah, <laughs> Tom Savini was standing there waiting to shoot his head off. Um, I mean, all in all, this this was great. It, it was a fun watch. Um, not my favorite, just because of maybe some of the pacing. Uh, but I mean, if you're if you're putting putting a bow on an '80s slasher movie, this one, you know, you open the present, it has everything you're looking for. Yeah, I thought this one really hit the nail on the head when it comes to a classic, good old fashioned slasher film. I think the plot was very easy to follow. Um, you've got a dumped grumpy veteran who's seeking revenge on a girl um, and then apparently an entire town uh, afterwards after uh, she leaves him for another man. Um, it's definitely got a like, and then the hook was in the door on Lover's Lane, like kind of a thing going on. But I don't hate that. I think, I you know, I always enjoy one of those like a Scooby-Doo. Urban legend yes. kind of thing. It's yeah. fun, you know. Um, there is a large amount of impaling and blood splatter going on. Very into it. Obviously, it's always nice to see that. Um, I think things definitely came together more in this film than the other one we watched, um, just like as a whole. So it was fun to watch. I definitely had some uh, moments for sure uh, when it came to his special effects. So that was nice. Um, and in classic horror slasher fashion, you have many a twist and turn, uh, as well as a very large amount of premarital sex and boobies, which is always fun. Uh, I like this one a lot. It was, I would say it did drag a little, but even in those moments, it wasn't like the worst. I don't understand why there was the weird, like love triangle thing with the cop and like the two women that lasted like two seconds. Like that seemed like didn't need to be there, but you know, you gotta have some drama. But yeah, I was into it. This is a pitchfork perfect slasher. <laughs> oh, man. Nothing says oh. 80s slasher like some good old pitchfork murders. You don't see that enough these days. If it's a pitchfork or if it's like a power drill, mm. it's probably 80s. Uh, and so you're like Slumber Party Massacre guy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so this has that. I actually hadn't seen this until last year. This is a movie that's always... I feel like this movie has benefited from the internet and streaming age because I don't I don't remember this Dave you I guess saw this when you were young but I don't remember this being on the VHS 
shelf. I have no memory of the Prowler um, being out there. No, I'm with you. I, like, I never heard of this until feel, Dave was like, I'm just going to. Yeah, I, I feel like this has like, come to prominence now that everybody has to like fill click space every day with like top 10 underappreciated. Slashers or whatever. I'm Kevin it with What Culture Horror, well. and here's your top 10 yeah. never heard of 80 slasher movies. Yeah, I, I feel like this has benefited from everybody being online and being able to like tell each other about things that yeah. they might have missed. So now the Prowler, which wasn't a success at the time, didn't make any money at all. Um, but now it's like regarded as one of the great early 80s slashers, and I 100% agree. Um, you mentioned the writer, as it's funny because. I didn't think of that. This is just a Scooby-Doo episode. <laughs> yes. And it's funny because this was written before um, Zito, Zito found the script. Somebody gave him the script. So he didn't, as far as in my understanding, um, Joseph Zito didn't have anything to do with writing it. He just read the script and thought it was cool. Um, so definitely a Hanna-Barbera adult story. Um, Zito made a movie called Blood Rage before this and also directed Friday the 13th Part 4, the final chapter. Ooh. That's my favorite. I think that's my favorite. This Friday movie got 13th. him that gig because they saw it and they and I think some of the producers, maybe even Cunningham himself said, yeah, this is going to bomb at the box office. Why don't you throw like a Friday the 13th thing on it? And he was like, ah, that's funny. And then they came back to him after they saw this and they were like, hey, do you want to do the final chapter? <laughs> yeah, make, uh, it makes sense. Uh, which and also Savini did the effects for yeah, that, he brought Friday the Thirteenth yes. Part Four, so um, they continued to work together. Um, Savini kind of like got his break with George Romero, uh, and then like it seems like once people worked with him on their movie, they wanted to keep him. Um, but Zito also made Missing in Action and Invasion so USA. So many Chuck Norris. Oh movies. man, I saw all those when I was a kid. I loved that stuff. That. Uh, affection didn't last for me, thankfully, into adulthood. But um, <laughs> action guy, I think that the action stuff shows up. Um, I kind of forgot how similar the Prowler looks to the murderer in My Bloody Valentine. It is kind of the mm-hmm. same thing. Also the anniversary. Uh, yeah. The, the holiday, yeah. The date. I actually thought that the Prowler um, looks a lot like what I've seen of the new Riddler looks like. in, in the ba- I haven't seen the Batman yet. But they showed all these like stills of the new Riddler, and people were saying oh, Zodiac. I see. I see what you're saying. People yeah. were saying he looked like Zodiac, but I think he looks more like the Prowler. Yeah, in the army getup. Um, this is on Tubi right now for free. You can rent it on Prime. It's on Arrow, Apple TV. This is a great '80s slasher. This is like 101. If you're into this kind of stuff, you have to see the Prowler. Great, great pick. Well, I had a hookup uh, that I I should should like shout out before. Uh, Roads Away Market was across from my my house, and it was a, a little corner grocery store convenience mart pizza place that rented VHS. And Colleen, that worked there and owned it, um, I would go over there, and I would just go through their whole horror section and just destroy all the movies and be like, give me more. So she would get me things that I would find in Fangoria magazine, and I would take, you know, I would rent them and then return them and be like okay i need luther the geek now like this is the next thing we got to do but i like this because it's like it's like the horror movie that's playing at the drive-in in the horror movie it's yes (laughs) (laughs) i didn't realize uh killian murphy's dad is an actor who plays deputy mark in this do you think he looks exactly like killian murphy oh (laughs) well if we're gonna go for doppelgangers they were just showing a guy that looks just like christopher lee that works at the store. I'm, I'm just going with Justin Long. Like it blew me away when that like the dork couple 
um, that have they, they have a great a great death scene too. But it, that dude looks just like Justin Long. Is it really? It's not really Killian Murphy's dad, right? It, it looks exactly looks, like him. I don't know. <laughs> like him with a really bad wig. Cat, I, yes, it is. Uh, okay. Uh, well, that's also, cool. Um, Lawrence Tierney is in this. And the first time I didn't notice Lawrence Tierney being in this, and then when I went back. I was reading about it. I was like, oh, I uh, probably didn't recognize him because it's a younger Lawrence Tierney. But no, it's the same. Lawrence Tierney was old in 1981. <laughs> I didn't know. Yes. He's like 110. He looks exactly like, the same. How did he make it to like Reservoir Dogs? <laughs> I don't know. He looks the same <laughs> age as he does in Reservoir Dogs. Well, he hit a point. He peaked. <laughs> did you guys notice um, the after the uh, or in, during the cold open when they're at the old the graduation dance from 1945? Did you notice the car? that pulls up that the two people get out of is the ZZ Top Eliminator car. It's the exact same wow. car. Wow. Wow. I did not notice paint that. Job. Wow. I love, too, uh, they have all of the, the classic 80s slasher character names. So you have, like, Pam, Mac, like, Lisa, <laughs> Sherry, Kyle, Sally, Mac, another Mac. <laughs> <laughs> another two Macs. Macs. <laughs> um, I like uh, about Tom Savini. I read a little bit that uh, he spent time as a Vietnam photographer. Yeah, I didn't know that. And that uh, he saw tons of gruesome things, and that uh, he had some sort of bumbling thing where he like made an entire infantry like shoot and attack <laughs> this bush that was a duck. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. He's done like tons of stuff. He was a combat photographer in Vietnam. He's um, an accomplished fencer. Yes. He's a bodybuilder. I don't know if you follow him like on Instagram. Oh, he's buff. He's Ooh. like. The guy's like 70, yeah. and he is so buff. Wasn't his name in From Dust Till Dawn, Sex Machine? Yes, yeah. yeah. Rightfully yeah. so. <laughs> Anytime you need like a buff, classic horror movie guy in your movie, With you a just gun get penis. Tom Savini, yeah, he's in Planet yes. Terror. He, um, he's been in tons of movies as an actor. He also directed a Night of the Living Dead remake from 92. I never saw that one. Oh, that's good. Yeah, he he got his start with Romero with a movie called Martin from 1977, a vampire movie, and then he did the effects for Dawn of the Dead, which we I think is one of the greatest. We talked about our, that on our zombie episode. Um, he did the effects for Creep Show and Creep Show Two. He did Day of the Dead. I think Day of the Dead is his masterpiece. Not the best of the Dead movies, but the guts, the entrails, um, the makeup and effects of Day of the Dead, I think is the best. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two, oh, Monkey so Shines, good. yeah, tons of stuff. I thought you weren't going to name them all off, Trent. I didn't. That was just a few. <laughs> no. um, I have a few. Uh, like, th uh, There's one thing I'd like to talk about uh, as a spoiler later, although I don't think if you haven't seen this, which chances are people haven't, they shouldn't know the spoiler. I do but think we should save the reveal, the one. The <laughs> you damn kids. It makes no sense at but, all to me. Yeah, but I don't. I, yeah, one thing I do want to say, it's a little tiny bit spoiler, is like at the end when they're, uh, when everything's over and resolved, I like that they're still doing the thing where they're discovering bodies. You know, yeah. like, yeah. Ah! Yeah, like yeah. that happens <laughs> in like the climax or whatever, like leading up to the fight with like the big bad. And like this one is just like they just keep it going and it makes no sense. They've already played the nice music and they've walked away and it's time to roll the credits and like, ah, yeah, the shower. <laughs> also, it, it, like, let's get into the kills because. Uh, there's one kill where someone is taking the longest shower of all time. Oh my god! And like we've yes. all had roommates. Yeah, you know, like I don't Sometimes think I've ever you gotta lived get ready for the big dance. You, I've lived with plenty of our our mutual friends, like in our twenty. If any of you were taking a shower for that long, I would not respect your privacy. Just full disclosure. No, that I would be yeah. like you have died in the shower. 
Like, what is going on? You have died. No, I wanted to. And, 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 the, and the, the kills, like, in that scene are unbelievable. Yeah. But, but seriously, like, and, and that's sort of, like, what I mean when, like, some of these scenes, like, they start to lack suspense and it's almost, like, unintentionally comedic. So I guess I'm just wondering why this man, uh, does he have a name? He's just the Prowler, I guess would be his character's name. Um, Rosemary's Killer. That's the or thing. Or the Pitchfork so we, of Death. So he leaves the rose like on all the bodies, and I'm yes. like, why is he doing it? And then I realize it's because his Rosemary was past the lover. woman who his girlfriend who sent him the Dear John letter while he he was away yes. at war in World War II, and he got the letter from Rosemary. Sorry, Johnny, uh, I Bucko found Buster someone Brown. else. Yeah, yeah. Um, and guys, so, you're hmm. spoiling. That was so spoiling. That's the first that scene, that's of, the first scene <laughs> that's of the that's movie. That's the first scene of the movie. Yeah, she's basically that's, that's like literally the, whole the first reason. scene. She's like, sorry, need the D. That, Peace. Yeah, yeah. That's... I can't wait for you. So, but he comes and whatever murders her and like her hubby or love or whatever. Like I understand They're, that her date, yeah. whatever. They're not married. They're <sighs> the person that she's gonna <laughs> smooch. What do you want from me? Um. So then, but then why does he? And then he gets mad that they're gonna put a dance on again, and so he comes back like forty yeah. years it's like later. Loose. <gasps> yeah. No dancing. Oh my they god. They have for everyone. They can't. They haven't had the dance since the murder in 1945. That's like what you were saying, Dave. Like oh, this whole genre of movies, similar to calendar horror, where somebody's mad from 40, 30, whatever years ago, and now you're going to do the event again. Now they come back. Seems like a bit of an overreaction <laughs> to me personally. Yes, well, we're, you I know? Mean, we're not dealing with sane people here. The spoiler makes no sense at all. Everything is at least somewhat coherent story-wise, if you call what what we just talked about coherent. <laughs> but the the spoiler, the reveal, I don't. They I don't even bother to explain why. That was the thing. Yeah, <laughs> like there were no connections to be made. None. I was just kind of like, okay. That's why I'm like, getting at the kills. Like, if you read on it? this movie, they literally based every single part of the filming on the kills. So they would spend up to one day at a time on yeah, the yeah. individual kills. Yeah. So they, they weren't that worried about where the story was going. It was no. literally about Tom Savini shoving a bayonet through a guy's head <laughs> yeah. and then pulling it out as his eyes roll back into his head, oh, which is the fucking whites of the awesome. That, was, like, that mm. was the big one for me. That's great. when I was like, ooh. Great like, mm. There are great, on just on YouTube, there are great videos of the making of this movie. Yes. And just exploring like the kills. Honestly, those were more fun to me to watch than the actual totality of The Prowler. Um, but, it, I mean, like I said, it is still, like, a perfect, you know, almost perfect 80s slasher movie. Kevin, I remember um, you, you said you had never seen it before, but I remember you came into the studio one day, and I had it playing in the background while I was working on something. And you just looked up at one part. It was just like this. It's just on silent in the background. And you were like, Wow. The, pl- the Prowler does not fuck around. <laughs> well, because you saw one of the kills. Yeah, it was a kill was scene. Yeah. The pool. The oh, pool the pool scene, scene is yeah. fantastic. That is, a, that is a pretty vicious kill, and it really lingers on the throat slitting, mm-hmm. and it's underwater. Well, the boot to the head to start it oh, is. And this is man. a character that you don't like. You definitely know she's leaving a dance to go for a swim in a pool, which makes no sense. But knowing our 80s slashers as well as we do, you know they're just setting up a kill and you want this character to die. But the boot to the head was like, ooh, like you almost just, you know, a lot of movies like uh, was The Mutilator or something like 
would have just like snuck up behind and done like the the throat slash. No, you get like a straight combat boot to the head <laughs> to start like the brutality. Well, I feel like they linger in this yes. era. Tom yes. Savini's stuff is much lingery, well, <laughs> more lingery than later. Four hours on the shot, right? Like, you want to show on, as much as possible. All the kills are quick and splatter, and they're over or whatever. But I feel like this is like a equivalent of like a early work of a musician that. Uh, is like a little bit more frenetic at first, and that's why you, you like let it. the bridge too many a little drum bit longer, fills, like, a little yeah. too <laughs> flashy, but uh, it's good. I feel like we've seen Kevin. You talked about the shower scene. Um, we've seen scenes um, in other movies where somebody gets invited into the shower by like their lover, and instead of I, I would think like okay, your your girlfriend is in the shower. She's like, come on in. Instead of just taking their clothes off and getting in the shower. They go, okay, and then they go like to the other end of the house or the cabin or like, something. Be right they, there. Yeah, they're like <laughs> walking around. To take all the time in the world very slowly. Taking the, Meanwhile, hot water is running. She's turning into a prune in there, but you have to kill all this time so you can get killed. Yeah, let's be honest. Like when we were in our how these are what high school kids or college? I guess, I'm confused. I think they're college totally kids. Clear I think it's to me. college. Yeah. Are you sure? I hope I don't so know. because the um, deputy, yes, is, deputy Mark is dating. I think a it's college cool. girl, well, I thought. But anyway, at that I think age, she's a senior in high school. At that age, <laughs> if someone I was dating was like get into the shower with me, I would have shredded my clothes exactly and been in the shower. Not go to the other end of the house so you can get killed seconds. by the prowler <laughs> under three seconds, and that's probably as fast or as long as I would also last in the subsequent activities. But six seconds. Oh. Well, you guys, you know, you guys are so concerned with the shower and the water I, pressure and all this stuff. There's a lot of hot water. Just to, hey, we're we're homeowners now. We're older. There's nothing we have to worry about. Put it out there. Nobody's inviting us into the shower anymore. The shower is on the entire movie. It yeah. is. The shower yeah. is running the entire Until movie. Until the next day. Yes. All right. So uh, those of you out there concerned <laughs> about that, this is a whole other kind of horror, the homeowner horror, the uh, water bill <laughs> horror. homeowner horror week. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> House. I love that just the title of this movie, and as you pointed out, Kevin, it was there was an alternate title. It was called Rosemary's Killer, and then was there a Pitchfork title too? Or you yeah, one of up? the other overseas titles was the Pitchfork of Death. But they ended up just calling it, at least in the U.S., the Prowler. I love the Prowler. I, I love. I know. I do <laughs> it's too. A cool because name, like, but it means nothing. It, it's the ultimate like harmless like 1950s euphemism, like. <laughs> yeah. For somebody breaking into your house to rob and or kill you, like, it's oh, like a it's just a prowler. Tom. I think it's, it's like, a prowler. Yeah. I don't know. I might cat burglar. Yeah, I think we might have a prowler. Like it's a mouse or something. <laughs> we, got a, we got a prowler in the basement. Just, uh, just be careful. I think it was just a prowler. Don't lock the door. It's fine. He's, he's only here to kill you. No minor nuisance. Yeah. You know? Replacing the water heater. <laughs> <laughs> Second film I picked, released in January of 1981, <laughs> Maniac, directed by William Lustig, who also did uh, Maniac Cop that we discussed on our Blue Light special series. Yes. Um, who also got his start in porn. Yes. And for extra credit, I watched 1978's Hot Honey, <laughs> the film that uh, the, the profits from Hot Honey were used to make, to start the production of uh, Maniac. And um, the rest of the money came from 
um, the leading lady, uh, her Caroline Monroe. Yes, uh, it's her. Um, her hubby like funded the rest of it, um, starring and written by Joe Spinell, who have only seen. Uh, as Travis Bickle's boss in Taxi Driver. Yes, right. Yes. Uh, just for a second, and every time I see it, I'm like, oh, yes, it's Maniac. Uh, <laughs> Joe Spinell uh, gives a Philip Seymour Hoffman-level performance here as wow. Frank Zito, uh, the brother of Joseph Zito, who directed The Prowler. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of Zitos. So uh, many Italian names. That I feel like it's Martin uh, Scorsese week. I something. feel like this movie was clearly influenced by David Berkowitz, the son of Sam. Yes. Uh, it's very, it's like the most 1980s New York City horror movie ever made. It's like super just, um, we were talking about that this film was filmed around New York City with no permits. Uh, so let's put this in perspective. It's a bunch of porn filmmakers running around New York with Joe Spinell filming guerrilla style, uh, breaking down shots after one take before the police arrive. Um, this shotgun scene where Tom Savini blows his own head off <laughs> after making out with a porn star. Goals. Uh, it, they did that. They did that in under an hour. This is this is At, punk rock. And like you know, when you're, it's different if you were filming a different kind of movie. But you have a, what looks like a headless body, and you have a shotgun, and you have these sketchy porn meet people. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I don't know. And you I, fire, just, I mean, they fired the shotgun through the windshield, so they yeah. had to get out of there, right? Film it, and they had right? To go. They yeah, they actually yeah. I didn't even think of that. They actually shot a shotgun uh, in New York, but. Um, it's uh, the story of a mentally ill fellow named Frank Zito who is murdering women for uh, wigs to staple to mannequins he likes to dress up. Like you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> he's soon immersed in the New York fashion world. Um, this is probably the first like sickening horror movie that I ever saw when I was a kid. And I didn't know that this dynamic was something that horror would do. I saw stuff that was, you know, like The Prowler or like Friday the 13th and all that stuff. It was all a little like lighthearted. You know, there was there was mental illness and there was like in the mind of the killer in some of these, but this one is really like in the mind of the killer, sickening. Um, it reminds me of uh, the movie we talked about, uh, Gaspar No, I Stand Alone. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I feel like, uh, this almost has like a, a, a not American feel to it, even though it's in New York and it's very New York. Um, this movie's like accidentally artsy yes. in a weird way. Um, and it's at the same time being like very lowbrow because of like his treatment of women and his thoughts on women and uh, the, the results of the abuse uh, that he went through. Um, but... Uh, I, th- I think this is like groundbreaking in like the psychological fear that puts you there with the killer and like their intimate tortured thoughts and that's why I think Maniac works uh, beyond the special effects. The special effects in this are very, very good and they're very, very uh, it, it doesn't hide anything. It doesn't pull away um, but beyond that I think that it's a very interesting story um, or, or not a story, but a, a character study of somebody. And I, it, I hadn't seen that a lot in horror uh, before this. So I think it was pretty groundbreaking. 
Man, I love Maniac. I'm so <laughs> glad we're finally talking about this is a grimecore essential viewing. I would put this in the same category as Last House on the Left or Texas Chainsaw yeah. or early Cronenberg, even though it's, you know, it's 8081. This is to me is like 70s grime house. It's greasy, it's dirty, you need a shower. Even as a horror fan, you feel you need to clean up a little bit after you watch this movie. Um, this is on Shudder right now, uh, and it's like everywhere else. Oh, also I meant to mention The Prowler is coming to Shudder later this month, uh, or in the month of May, The Prowler will be on Shudder. Um, this reminded me of so many things. It reminded me a lot of Basket Case, that New York, the grimy yeah, yeah. New York thing, very Basket Case, which was later, but this also reminded me, I think more importantly, of a bunch of movies we've talked about, including The House That Jack Built, uh, American Psycho, even The Columnist from a couple weeks ago, because I think there's a case to be made about the uh, unreliable narrator in this movie. Like, did these things even happen? I think that's like uh, something that you can overlook when you're watching this. I'm not convinced that any of this really happened, and it wasn't just about Frank Zito in his gross, grimy, sweaty, disgusting little teeny apartment with his mannequins, like fantasizing and raging about his mom. You know, the story was that his mom uh, was a sex worker and uh, neglected and abused him and used him as an ashtray and all this. So he's in his mind, he's like getting revenge for her. But I question whether any of it happened. Obviously, some of the best Savini work that uh, you're going to see, um, Lustig. What a name. What a name for a director, especially a director who has done porn. I mean, that's like, uh, what was the guy that directed The Columnist? His name was like Van Art or something. This is like one of those. Richard yeah. Lustig only would be better. <laughs> um, absolutely love this movie. This is another essential, both of these movies to me, 101 horror. Um, it's also like on all the free sites right now, so easy to see. I'm very excited to hear, Kat, what you thought. <laughs> I've been thinking about you all week as I've been all watching week? yeah, Maniac repeatedly. Thanks. And I've been, I kind of was surprised we didn't hear anything from you about this movie. I'm very curious to, uh, to hear what you thought of Maniac. You know, I like to save it for the pod. So here we are. I thought. I didn't hate Maniac, which I think is a good start. That's a good start. And then going into it, I was like, it's okay. Like, it's all right. But then going into it deeper and kind of realizing it's that it made me feel uncomfortable. Mm. Like, it made me feel grimy. It made me feel like, ugh. But isn't that what horror is supposed to do? Especially this brand of horror. So me feeling that way made it a successful horror film for sure. I didn't hate it. I thought the plot was a little difficult to follow. Like I didn't really understand. Oh, my mom was mean to me. So now I'm obsessed with mannequins and like scalping people. Okay. Welcome to the club, pal. Like I don't, (laughs) we don't all go around scalping people. Um, But then, but that's the ickiness. So like I, I preferred the prowler plot. I think to this one because this one just to me was just kind of like it's not really a plot that it's much. It's not. Yeah. It's just kind of like watch me it's do like this stuff. It's like a he's plotting. Yeah. Um, you know, it was interesting. Sure, that he had mommy issues and that he has to murder. Blah blah blah. But I thought what made this character more interesting was that he could easily 
kind of turn his craziness off or at least turn his like charisma on. So there are moments he's like dating supermodels. He's like chatting people up. Um, so it was kind of like a, yeah. you know, like an American psycho moment where, Oh, he can be a normal yes. charismatic, right. Attractive. I wouldn't say that person. He's a good looking guy. I feel. Eh, I don't, well, once the sweat, comes in but he's not like sweating wait, wait, no 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 <laughs> he's not a good he's one of the ugliest know. human beings i've ever seen i wouldn't life. i wouldn't sign up to hang out with him but i'm not here to yuck anybody's yum um so that that was kind of the moment where it's like okay that that makes him an interesting character at least as opposed to someone just kind of running around and, and murdering people and just being you know quote unquote crazy the entire time the end scene, I think, really saved it too, and like all these oh, man, man, you know, all these women are pulling his body that, apart and like yeah. beheading him. Like Ugh. that was great. Like I would watch this movie just for the visuals over and over again. It's just the weird women, like MRA plot, as I called it earlier. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for what it was. I didn't hate it as much as I think you thought I was going to. You know, these movies, like when you go back to like the 80s, these movies are so much more fun to talk about because of how they were made. Because like you guys were always throwing out words like grimy and we're talking about practical effects and guerrilla filmmaking. You don't really get that like nowadays. Like, don't get me wrong. There are masterpieces coming out every year for horror. Like we talk about them. But we don't really get to like delve into the making of it because everything is so streamlined nowadays. Like, yeah, you're going to throw this awesome actor into this movie and you're going to have this big budget set built and you're going to have like the CGI plus all of the, you know, uh, advancements that we've made in practical effects. But when you go back to this era... Like, you guys are talking about how New York this movie is. Well, like, Lustig would also do the Maniac Cop series. And that's one of the first movies that I remember More us New talking Jersey, about though, vibe, though. when we're saying, like, that's so New York. Like, Maniac Cop, when we did, like, that episode. Um, and it's just fun to talk about these things where it's, how did they cobble all this stuff together? Like, that's fun to talk about. It's fun to, like, go back to an era where filmmaking was, like, it was literally, like, it was visceral, it was physical, it was location. I mean, they're filming shit in the subway in New York City. You know, how how did they pull, like, some of that stuff off? So, um, and to go further with, like, you know, like, Kat, you saying, like, there's not really a plot, but I think it's less of a plot or a story than, like, an exploration, like Trent mentioned, American Psycho. It's more of, like, exploring mental illness, so it's not necessarily sure. like I want a story that takes us. It's not a Scooby-Doo story like The Prowler mm. where Whoa. we rip the mask yeah. off at the end. This is another one like The Mutilator where from like shot one, you know who, who our oh, antagonist like is. Honey's in the bathroom. But this, written on this, the wall. This is more of like an exploration into someone's psyche. And I think this is an early version of that. You know, like maybe Psycho was probably... The first one, like this, has mad psycho Very vibes. Very psycho. Yes. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have a shower scene, but I guess the the first movie we talked about had, we had the longest shower. shower scene. <laughs> we have enough showers this week. Um, but I I loved it for that sake. I loved the voiceover. We talk sometimes about how we don't love <laughs> like voiceovers. voiceovers. So, it's um, you, that's a generous to call it a voiceover. It's a grunt over. It's <laughs> yeah, a it, moan it's, over. It's oh, almost that's... laughable. It, 
But for some reason, it's even creepier that way. Very creepy. Like, I feel like if they had done, like, a good, like, overdub or something, it would have, like, cheapened the film. But it's, like, so innocent. Like, and it's just, like, the essence of Maniac is, yes, it's very disturbing. It's not really fun to watch. Uh, but it's essential, and I think it actually is more important than like a lot of the movies that we're talking about. Um, that it in that was that were inspired to make Maniac, and then that it inspired. This is actually like a pretty important film, and we can get into it later. But also, like the the marketing campaign for this and the visceral and really negative response it got is very important to the history of horror. Well, guess what. Porn stars crush acting. The original method actors, these guys crush this. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes uh, I would have to disagree. Like Tracy Lords or something? Or like I know, sometimes uh, got... I think the porn stars are like the king and queens of overacting. You know, sometimes I could do a little, a little less acting. You know well, this, I mean? this movie is basically just somebody tormenting people. So there's not much acting until like, you know, it's like, oh. Well, there's running the, away. Well, that's screaming. the thing. Like, this is you know we're talking about Tom Savini and all the effects and all the kills and stuff. But one of the to me one of the most affecting scenes in this is after you have your your like your first murder, your like cold open murder, um, and you have the scalping, which is great. But one of the big murder scenes in this that I think is the most disturbing is just a bare hand strangulation. That goes on and on. That's where I thought, Kat, you might check out. Like you're what you start. You're watching a horror movie, and you're like, oh, I'm just gonna watch a bare hand strangulation of a sex worker for like five minutes. And it was a long. Know, her legs are kicking and kicking and kicking. It's going. It was a bit graphic. That's where I was kind of like not plugged in. It's disturbing. Like, I think for me, it was kind of like an arc of me watching this film. Like I watched it, and then that kind of started, and I'm like. Well, I feel like I'm not gonna really want to watch the rest that of this movie because really I was ready for like Tom Savini. I'm like waiting for blood, yeah, I'm waiting for yeah, like yeah. all this weird shit. <laughs> so to start off with that, it didn't hook me in. I <laughs> you did say. well with this movie this week. <laughs> I Thank think. you. Yeah, yeah, it, that didn't reel me in. Um, so I'm glad that I was. I had to watch the rest of it because I feel like if I wasn't watching this for work if you will, <laughs> that I <laughs> I might have been like, well, maybe I watch something else uh, now. But I will say I appreciated that this person killed in so many different ways. He used his hands. Yes. He used um, a shotgun, obviously, uh, a bayonet, which is a knife. Right. Where did he get a bayonet? Nobody knows. Um, and then also just e like e a bayonet. nice knife. Ebay in it. <laughs> oh, there it is. Well, the machete, we the machete in this was a leftover prop that Savini had from um, Dawn of the Dead. Supposedly makes sense. Wow. And the headless corpse at the end is Jason's mother from Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, the uh, all the helicopter footage in this of over the city. That's all unused footage from uh, Inferno, the Dario Argento, the sequel to was it the sequel or the last. Argento was supposed to be involved in this. Yeah, well, yeah. So all, all the helicopter footage was stuff that didn't get used in Inferno, and, and he like, let was them it use it for this. Daria uh, Nicoletto, his wife at the time, was supposed to be yes. the lead. She was supposed yeah. to be Anna, and Argento was supposed to be involved in this, and he had Goblin on to do the Right, it was supposed score. to be Goblin. Yeah. Uh, they ended up bringing on Jay Chataway, who did the music, and the music in this is fantastic, oh, too. It's a great, yeah. great 80s slasher soundtrack. Sick. Um and uh, Chataway would go on to do Maniac Cop and then a bunch of Star Trek stuff. 
Pat, actually, uh, I'm, I was at first kind of surprised that you even accepted this movie at all. <laughs> uh, but now I see that there is like one way that you and Frank Zito actually remind me of each other. Great. It's like when he goes out what he he wears mm-hmm. how he dresses i feel like he's you know like you're it's like me too you like i'll be home in my like shit stained sweatpants but then someone's like hey you want to grab a beer and i'm in like dressed to the nines dressed to the nines sure That's, we, we go out hard look at him right now so why did he's killing us. i thought you were gonna say it's like when cat goes out in that uh 20 candles are left burning the anaconda suit <laughs> That she has, she has oh, an snake skin oh, suit. You guys That's what love. I meant. Like he, he goes from I just see. like bumming around the house, and then it's like time to go out. Yeah, and, look and at him right phew. now. Yeah, he's looking dapper. I see. As I was hell. wondering what like the connection Ron was going to be. He does. He does. Like That's Ron why Jeremy. I hate him yeah. so much because yes. he looks like fucking Ron looks Jeremy. Like and Caroline Monroe, honestly, is one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. I love the graveyard scene at the end when his mom comes out of the ground. Very creep show. Very like old school, like horror comic. Uh, there's a lot of stuff online about this movie, but watching Lustig talk about it, and then watching uh, there's a great interview on YouTube with Lustig, where he just talks about the remake because this was remade mm. with, of all people, Elijah Wood. Yeah, 2012. The yes. Maniac. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in 2012, Ooh. and they actually went to Lustig, and he thought they were talking about Maniac Cop. He's like, "Well, that's my franchise." So they obviously they want to remake Maniac Cop, and then when they clarified, no, we want Maniac, and he was like, okay, sure. So they brought him on, and they said, you know, we want you to like come on board as a producer. We want you to be involved. And he was like, nope. Read the script, uh, saw Elijah Wood like do his testing or something like that, and then he backed away. He's like, too many cooks in the kitchen. Like I don't need to remake my own movie. Uh, and the remake, in my opinion, is really good. I wanted to fight that movie. I like. Oh, I you love didn't this. like the remake? No, no. I wanted to fight it. Yeah, I saw it, and I was like, "All right, great job." Mm. That's a an interesting take on Maniac. But it's, it's, it's different. Funny. They talk different. about how, like, Lustig talks about how the remake was like a midnight showing at Cannes, and he was like, "What the fuck is happening?" Like, he he just thought, like, okay, someone's gonna do like a little podunk remake of my little 1980s direct movie. streaming. I, or I would say that it's underrated, and it was, but it. Well, it was hyped up pretty good. So he's talking about being at this midnight screening at Cannes and how at the end of it, uh, the, the whole audience gave a standing ovation. So he's there like basking in the glory. But if you want to like get to the essence of Billy Lustig, the porn director, he's like, then I look and the best part of the night was Sasha Gray was standing up <laughs> looking directly at me and clapping. And he's like, whole life made. <laughs> This uh, The original Maniac was never submitted to the MPAA for a rating. It was just released unrated, and theaters would show it no one under 17 admitted, except according to the internet. Now, I can't verify this, but supposedly part of the marketing campaign for Maniac was that they had little kiosks outside the theater, and you could go up and watch. No, there's footage on, you can find it on YouTube. Okay, so that was real. You could yes, yeah. So <laughs> theaters were actually putting like little TVs up, and at the time it was like new technology where they were showing loops of yeah. like some of the vicious scenes of the goriest stuff. So like some <laughs> five year old kid could just be walking around New York and Chicago or whatever and see Chicago. like Chicago. these kill hey, scenes. Zito. Yay! <laughs> and see Spinelli. these, and like that's one of the things. Like there are YouTube clips of like Siskel and Ebert 
reviewing this movie, and Siskel walked out of the theater after <sighs> the shotgun scene. And said that nothing, nothing after that, this movie could do nothing to redeem itself after that scene. Uh, and there's a great uh, interview with Tom Savini where he's talking about, you know, Maniac. And they went and saw it in New York City at one of the theaters where they had like the little like TV things outside showing these. And Savini, Lustig, like the producers, uh, I think even Caroline Monroe. And these two people walked up to them that had just been at the movie, and they recognized Tom Savini from being Disco Boy in the movie. And they're like, hey, we're working on a movie. Like, do you mind coming up and uh, checking out some of, like, our treatments? We're trying to get funding. And it was fucking Sam Raimi and Bob Tappert who were doing their treatments for Evil Dead. And they were oh. showing Savini, like, hey, this is what we're trying to get funding for. Like, there's, it's just... So there's many tons cool of things. connections. Yeah, there's this, so many. This is connections. right in the heyday of indie horror, where all of these people know each other and they're helping each other out. And like, there's a lot of cross pollination going on. It's awesome. Talking about not seeing the Prowler out there, Maniac was everywhere. Yes. In VHS oh land. yeah, this was all on the, the shelf. Places, it was everywhere. <laughs> yes. I remember that cover. The cover yes, is amazing. Yeah. The cover is just like a. a Torso jeans. of a guy holding <laughs> jeans, <laughs> just his jeans, his like bursting crotch, and he's holding in his hand the scalp of a blonde, you know, some blonde and, woman. And they Maniac do a great, looks they, like a metal band logo in red. <laughs> they the do cover. a great uh, throwback to that in the remake, where Elijah Wood they do the scalping like real early in the remake, but they, he does it, and then in the reflection of the car, it's a total re. A, a, a total homage to the cover of Maniac, where in the reflection of the car, you just get his jeans, the knife, right, holding and the scalp. The scalp. Like, yeah, I mean, this made money, man. This made ten million dollars. Wow. wow, did it really? Wow. Oh, wow, it made ten million bucks at the at the box office like for three hundred and fifty thousand dollar budget. Yeah, Poor I think, think Savini said that he got like five grand for this or something. Uh, yeah, I th I think that uh, yeah, Lustig has been quoted as saying it may it may have been up to uh, half a million to make after all all was said and done. But um, yeah, I mean, talk about doing a lot with a little, you know, doing the most with what you have. This is a, a great example of that. It's all tone. There's also a great uh, interview with well, it's on YouTube. It's as a short film. Um, but it's really just an interview with Caroline Monroe where someone put a fancy intro and outro on it. And it's really interesting to see her talk about this because she was not a porn actress. You know, she was a model and, you know, establishing herself as an That's what actress. what they all say, Kevin. Well, and they, she, she had done a movie. She had done some, like, crazy, like, Astro Crash or some movie with Joe Spinell, and they got really close. And so she was in New York, and... He took her out to dinner and basically said we had they had just lost Daria Nicoletto for the leading role. And he was like, I'm going to give you this script, but you, we, we start shooting like tomorrow. She was like, well, I'm going back to you know England tomorrow. And she went home and read it, and they basically talked her into this. So she started filming this movie uh, like a day after she got the script for it. Um, and one interesting thing is you have the lead actress here. You have your... I don't even know if she would be the protagonist, because um, again, this is like really not like a <laughs> linear story. It's a study of mental illness. You're talking about Monroe's character, Anna. Yeah, yeah. But she's not in any of the violent scenes, so she didn't see any of that because she wasn't on set. 
right until right. the movie premiered. Yeah. Yeah, and oh. it's, it's it's a really interesting watch. This is very much later in her life that she gives this interview, and she's very tactful about talking about, you know, oh, this is the movie that I was starring in. Yeah, like, because she's only in like the cleaner the scenes where she's in the park taking pictures. She talks right. to to Frank at her she's apartment. She's getting stuffed animals. She's and at kissing the um, from him at the studio, and then right. she's running through the graveyard. That's she's it. not in any of the, you know, scalping right. or shot. She talks about how that wasn't in the script. Because that's Savini being like, okay, so he kills this person. Well, let's get creative and kill him this way. Right. So she had no idea that any of this was going on. Wow. That final scene, the finale, like you think when you watch this, <laughs> you, just say boobs. you think that like the shotgun head explosion, the scalpings that are really good where he's pulling the skin back and showing like the skull. It almost looks like the brain, even though that wouldn't make sense. It still kind of does that. But that final scene where the head gets pulled off, that is totally like Day of the Dead, yeah. Dawn of the Dead stuff. That's like zombie movie stuff. Super, That's so like, even, good. Even the 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 come to life mannequins. You uh, think it has more to very, go? Very uh, Dawn of the Dead makeup on. Yes. Like yes. Bluish grayish. At like. that point, you think there's nowhere to go, right. but. It goes and even like, further. I wouldn't accept that sort of scene over and over again in a movie. But I like it at the end. It was like, it, it went totally bonkers and all, like, it changed the whole vibe at the very yeah, end. Yeah, and I think it proves, Trent, the very end proves that this is not like a, an American psycho thing. It all happened. No, he no, the it. end proves that it didn't. No, but the cops walk in and he Yeah, and he killed himself. Yeah. But oh. they, they only... He's got... But they only... Yeah. came to his apartment because Anna, Caroline Monroe's character, right. said, this guy attacked me. Well, he made, So he, then they were like, yes. okay, Frank Zito lives here. Let's go find I him. I think that happened, but the end scene didn't happen. I think we need to happen. look at the end scene with the cops and see if we I, can I, see a mannequin with a scalp. Well, you're saying the end scene didn't happen. That's different than saying the whole thing didn't happen. The end scene definitely didn't happen. The mannequins didn't but come the, to life. The end scene does. No, right, yes. He killed himself yeah. at the end. So that makes me question but he, all he of He could have right. been imagining everything the whole right. time. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Except for his interactions with Anna. With Anna, exactly. That would be my theory. Or a, a plausible theory, anyway. Mm. Right? That is, I think that's yeah, where I'm going. Yeah, I think that I is a plausible theory. for very plausible. a porn movie. <laughs> it's a little deep. Uh, I don't know, because also, like, if you um, watch carefully, after almost every murder, he wakes up. The next scene is always him, like, waking up in his little apartment, almost like a nightmare. That's another reason that I question whether... I mean, it doesn't matter. I'm not, like, pushing it as some sort of, like, key to the movie. It's just a bunch of gruesome murders. But <laughs> I think that that is definitely at play. Um, and I wanted to mention just one of the many small grimecore details of this when... Whenever um, Zito leaves his apartment, the the place on the door where the chain is, you know, he's got like one of those, you know, apartment chains. The door is so disgusting where the chain is. Like his grubby, disgusting, blood-covered hand has like pawed at the door so many times. Like this whole like ring of uh, filth around the chain. Very realistic. Mm, Like it's my refrigerator. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Just opening it. I I had a moment uh, this week where my 15-year-old daughter came up and was like, oh, what do you got? What are you watching this week? And I was about to watch Maniac. And I had to make that decision in my head. I was like, do I say you can watch it or to go? The tough call. Go in your room and close the door. 
Uh, and I chose the second one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she didn't. So she didn't watch Maniac. She didn't. I don't no, think she would have like, liked it's, it. It's too grimy. I was like, it it's going to make you feel real bad. <laughs> it made You're me feel bad. Feel bad. <laughs> yeah. Made me feel terrible. I saw uh, a thing about movies recently, like Mother and a bunch of like uh, Hereditary, a bunch of disturbing movies that were saying like people. A lot of people don't like the feeling when they get out of a movie like unresolved and like tense and like unhappy and you know like traumatized. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and I think that's what kind of horror is, you know. Like that's what like, I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what that's I want. Why I'm at the theater. Yeah. I want it sometimes, not all the time. <laughs>